Are we recording? Who's to say? Well, like you are. Oh, you are, okay. you yeah. are the in one case, to say. In that case, yes, we are recording. So here, here's my first question for you. Yeah. Do you ever forget to turn off your, uh, what's it called here, blinker? Probably not. Oh, I was going to answer before you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Finished in the car. I've had I've had this the past couple of days. I've forgotten to turn off. Mm. I, I keep wanting to call it an indicator. I think that's Australian. Definitely Australian. Okay, that's it's blinker here. Yeah. This indicator a, is better. Turn signal. Turns. Oh, is would be like the more formal version. I think that's like the DMV test version. <laughs> yeah. <right>. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, anyway, my my whatever blinker indicator turn signal. The last tw- the last couple of days, this has happened to me twice. Okay. And the first time, I felt like I could kind of blame it on both times. In my defense, I've had sort of uh, either music or like a podcast playing like more loudly so you i couldn't hear that podcast cranked up <laughs> yeah you can't i really like blinker. i really like to be able to hear <laughs> and uh maybe, maybe my blinker is quiet in my toyota corolla i don't oh, know okay but at the same time i'm like wow twice in two days and then you i just hate the feeling you know i pride myself we, we've talked about my driving habits before i pride yes. myself a little bit on how i drive uh-huh. and to think that there are people rolling by me in consternation thinking who is this guy with his blinker? And then they see me. Uh, well, not only that, Matt, but you are potentially changing the behavior of other drivers because they're expecting you to make some totally maneuver. Totally. I've long said that, that lane not changes. Making. I've long said, in fact, on this podcast, that lane changes are one of the most dangerous things that happen on the road. This makes That makes my wife <laughs> chuckle so much. And here I am. Here I am. lane changes. Here I am literally making all the drivers around me think that I could at any point change lanes right into them. We got a wild one. Oh, Who knows what this kid's going to do. It's not good. I mean, it's not good. I have forgotten to can- cancel is what they call it. And I only know this because back in my motorcycle days, uh-huh. um, often motorcycles don't self-cancel the signal. So there's a little switch, a uh, left and right. And yeah. You can like slide it left or right. But then in the middle of the switch, there's a button that you press in and it snaps it back to off. Oh, okay, yeah. So when I was first learning to ride a motorcycle, it's like you're used to these things canceling. But, uh-huh. Yeah, so I, I remember going forever one time and i was must have been going this i'm i think this lady behind me was so annoyed by <laughs> my blinker being on and me just zooming straight down the street <laughs> that she pulled up next to me at the like next light oh, and no. rolled down her window and she's like well i mean this is helpful but yeah like yeah. she didn't call me names but she was like hey your turn signal is on you know i, I like, wonder if this was the same lady i once had a lady uh, I was driving with Rachel. This is when, we, when we were dating. I, well, no, this one, I don't know that she was an angel because I I was turning left through an intersection and uh, kind of thought nothing about it. Thought, But then suddenly this woman pulls up next to me and we're driving along side by side at about probably like 30, 35. And she is like gesturing at me, like, put down your window. So I'm like, gosh, okay. So rolled down my window, probably first mistake. But then she says, do you know that you just ran a red light? And (laughs) I was like, what? What? Like, even at my most relaxed, like, I don't think I'm the kind of person running a red light. Her claim was I had just turned left into traffic on a red turn arrow. Oh. Now, the thing is, like, Rachel and I were kind of talking, so I was neither of us were paying, you know, complete attention to 
what was ha- so it wasn't like we could say undoubtedly i did not just do that but i'm pretty sure this woman ran a red light and then pulls up next to me thinking her light was green and yells at me oh. for running like i i mean unless you know i it's possible i Shh. i did run a red light but It'd be weird to run it without knowing it, because you, you think? you're almost always like, "Oh, here we go!" Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and 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 it, no, it wasn't like I was trying to catch up with it. It wasn't like a yellow situation. It would have been me going from like stopped. I was stopped waiting for the light to change. <laughs> like, and then at some point, I just decided, "Nah, forget this. <laughs> Enough's enough. I'm kind of done here." <laughs> Welcome to Curious Church Podcast. Hello, everybody. Hello, everybody else in the room with me. It's just just me, actually. Just one person. Matt, I do like you. I think it's going to work out just fine. Thanks, Aaron. I think it will, too. Do you notice how we then introduced each other? That was a really beautiful, natural, mutual introduction. All these people. All with these... a third person, the problem with having a third person in the room, yeah. the reason why we're finally unshackled Preach is because it. you can't do that, right? Nope. If there's two people in the room and I say, hi, Aaron, it's really unclear on wh- which person who then speaks. It could be you. It could be the other person. But here in this context, I can introduce you. You can introduce me just great. with a greeting. Yeah, this is great. And you know what else I like? Sometimes I'll be addressing when there are three of us in this room, I mean, let's face it, it's pretty crowded. (laughs) But I'll be addressing somebody and I have to say their name, otherwise... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The listener won't know who I'm talking to, even though I'm, like, looking at them. Totally. So, this is going to solve all kinds of problems. Yeah, we've really really fixed it. Time for a little, a classic, beloved segment. Classic segment. What's your beef? I like chicken and turkey with cheddar. I like a tofu burger, but bacon is better. So what's your beef? This, of course, is a segment where we complain about things that no one else cares about. But, hey, we've all got these things. So I actually, I have a bit of a twofer. Uh, And they're not directly related, but one is just on my chest. So I had to share it. First of all is the fact that anything ever breaks down. (laughs) (laughs) So... As we recorded, I, I know that people think, you know, we come in and it's like this perfect oasis and life is just great. But, you know, some days your wife's car doesn't start in the morning and that's mm. the day we're recording. And I was thinking about it. Mm. just like, what? what is up with things just not working anymore? Like, why can't we just kind of, of all our technical advances, why haven't we been able to dial that one in? And it's probably, it probably has as much to do with economics as technology. Right. There's probably some kind of materials. Well, it has that to do with be... original sin, Matt, is what it has to do with. <laughs> oh, wow. We live in a, <laughs> a, a broken world. <laughs> but it's just, it's just a real disappointment to me that things, <laughs> that things do not last forever. I mean, I guess I, I, was, I was thinking about it with respect to cars. That is kind of why some people will lease a vehicle, right? Because then you, get, uh, like you can upgrade your model. Mm. And so in theory, you're going to have less issues. And you get, out of the, you get out of it before things start before breaking things down. Before things start breaking down. Yeah. But at the same time, that also seems financially irresponsible. So yeah. what I really want is just to be able to pay the same prices I pay right now for things that work forever. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's too much to ask. Here's my other beef, though. Wait, can I say something? Oh, yeah, yeah. So I've read that you, you would think this would come from like some podunk auto manufacturing company, but this... Uh-huh. I've heard this story regarding Honda Motor Corporation. Oh, dear. A fairly 
you know, they, this is they, not weren't, what born I like to hear. they weren't born yesterday. This is not what I like to hear. <laughs> they had created, there was some series of, I don't remember the years, but there was a model of their, their minivan, their Honda Odyssey. Okay. I think good. specifically. That's not the, not the vehicle I'm dealing with. Well, okay. That's good. Okay. But it could speak to their shady practices. Oh, gosh. Because for the American market, they used some part, like some major part, like transmission or something, cooling system thing that was designed to only last 80,000 miles because Americans don't, they always get new cars every couple of years anyway, was the sort of the, the theory behind this. So it was designed to just like not last very long. This is unsubstantiated, huh. uh, but I did hear this from a reputable owner of one of these vehicles who the dealership said, yeah, this is, the, we have this problem. Okay, so it's unsubstantiated, but that does not prevent me from saying shame on you, Honda. Shame on you, Honda. Shame. Ugh. I just want you to work forever. <laughs> okay, here, here's my second. Here's, here's the beef that I was actually planning on bringing. And this one's relevant because uh, as of recording, both of us are going to be doing some traveling this week. Mm. And maybe this actually ties in uh, with my, my blinker issue because what I hate... You're what? My blinker uh, of not being able... Oh, turn, not turning turn off signal. My, turn, turn signal, signal sorry. That's right. My indicator, uh, what, whatever it's mm -hmm. called, um, is airport speakers. <laughs> they are so bad <laughs> such horrible quality and and when i say speakers i mean the actual speakers like in the ceiling but maybe also my beef is partly with the people who speak into the microphone oh because i mean i mi i miss all of it like uh, about about 98 percent of what they say and i just have to look at rachel and say what did they say and it, unless she got it, uh, there's no hope that I know that my gate just changed to another terminal. This is potentially in your airport. Other, other, like one of the more important things. Paging. Was that me? Was that me? Well, how often have you ever been paged at an airport? Well, I'd never been paid. Oh, maybe once. Maybe oh, once. Oh, interesting. Maybe once. And okay. I did, fortunately, apparently that wherever I was, I had some good speakers. But wow, it just makes such a difference. And then when you have, I don't know if you've ever been to airports. <laughs> Obviously, I'm really steamed up about this. <laughs> if you've ever been in an airport where they've got like the gate ones and then kind of the larger terminal ones and the terminal ones are so much louder than the gate ones, but the gate is like super tiny. So there's no way you can all actually sit in your gate area. Oh, and yeah. Wait. And so yeah. then you're like kind of a ways away and right. all you're hearing is this other stuff and you realize, oh, my plane's like boarding now. Yeah. Sometimes it's like you see a tiny gate, but you know there are like 200 people getting on this plane, and mm -hmm. you're like, what is the process What are we here? thinking here? Yeah. Especially when you know we've got horrible airport speakers. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my beef. It doesn't feel like that hard of a thing to kind of dial in, but it's, it just seems like for whatever reason, I don't know if people are getting lazy on the microphones mm. or what's going on. Yeah, it might be. Uh, yeah. It might be just poor acoustics in airports generally. Well, we should design them differently then yeah, from the ground up for my hearing. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's my two for what's your beef, Aaron? Uh, my beef is, I mean, it's, it's kind of a medical beef. Now, this isn't a beef that I, I don't know if anyone else can relate to this. If, you, if anyone's had this issue, I would be very happy to hear about it. But, uh, you know, I, I went in for a uh, physical recently, a month or so ago. Obviously, your first mistake. 
You should never go to the doctor just for assume, no reason. Assume until you have an issue that you are 100% healthy. What's the best case scenario? Yeah, I just well, the best case scenario is your, is your correct. The worst case scenario <laughs> is maybe what you're going to share. Well, no, there's no worst case scenarios. There's no like serious diagnoses or anything like that. I'm, I'm overall generally pretty healthy. Some things I have to That's, watch. We're glad about that. Blood pressure, mostly due to uh, working in the church. But, um, <laughs> but, but part, of the, part of my physical is... I was wondering why it was taking you so long to say genetics, but no, no I see. I see where you're actually going. It's probably mostly genetics, but you know, this podcast. Uh, I love you. I love you, church. Um, that could be a good podcast name. I love you, church. I love you, church. We've had our ups and downs. It could but, be a spinoff. Yeah. Romantic rom-com <laughs> featuring a worship leader in the congregation. Part of my uh, physical was getting my blood drawn. This isn't this isn't a strength of mine having needles put into me. Yeah, if you're a little if you're a little queasy like me, make sure you're sitting down for the rest of the story. It's yeah. not going to get prettier. Shots, I think I'm okay with. I'm better with shots. They're quick. Stuff goes, you know, quick. Put some stuff in me. <laughs> Pull the needle out. That's so disgusting. It's, it's awful. It's so, so it's so unnatural. So unnatural. That's my thing too. Yeah. So, um, but I haven't had a needle. I haven't had blood drawn since uh, I was in high school when I gave blood. And uh, how'd that go? It went swimmingly. <laughs> I only lost consciousness the one time. That's really good. Uh, yeah, so I was lying there. This, yeah, this brief high school story is that I, I went to the blood mobile. I gave blood. Everything went okay. I hated it, but I did it. And then um, they took the needle out. They're, they're, everything's good. She gives me, like the nurse gave me kind of a list of things to just be careful about for the rest of the day, you know, take it easy and, you know, eat, eat food and stuff. And then that's the last thing I remember. Then they're like waving me, like fanning me and giving me a Sprite and a cookie and stuff. So anyway, so I passed out after giving blood and it wasn't the needle. It was just the lack of blood experience. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, I had to do a little blood draw. So I go, uh, you know, there's a large Kaiser Permanente is a large, like, managed care organization so mm -hmm. it's a little bit of a, a little bit of a cattle call situation when it's my my time but so i go in the blood draw place i sit there oh gosh i show my wrists Ugh. and uh the nurse is like hmm. she's like feeling around my uh my forearm i'm not know. i'm not taking a sip of water because i feel my face getting a little <laughs> flush at this story stay hydrated she feels the other one like ties the tube thing around it. No, not seeing Aaron anything. is currently Aaron is currently pantomiming all these actions. She goes back. I'm pantomiming. She goes back to the original one. Like she's like, okay, I guess this is gonna have to do is her attitude. Yeah. Like I don't see anything really. So she sticks a needle in there, and it, I hate it obviously. But there's something extra that I hate, and oh. that is that I feel this immediate. Uh, so she's up by my elbow. But I feel this immediate, like, cold, uh, tingly, oh. kind of pain, mild pain, full, all up and down my forearm, like, immediately. Like she in injected ice into my veins. I'm no something. doctor, but this is not a good sign. <laughs> this is definitely not I a good sign. I got ice in my veins. Yeah. That's why I'm so cold hearted. Yeah. Ooh. Uh, uh, so she did, she did the blood thing. I hated it. It was awful. She's like, okay, you're done. Puts a Band-Aid on it. And then I had to sit for a little while because I wasn't like, I was feeling a little, a little off. 
But then every time I like even like light gently touched that injection site. Injection? Withdrawal? Withdrawal site? I don't know. Rejection? Rejection. <laughs> my whole uh, wrist, my wrist would tingle, even though it was all the way on the other side of my forearm. Very strange behavior. It's only gotten slightly better, and this is a month ago. So I'm living, anytime oh I, my goodness. if I reach, like, just like that, I can feel my tendons or veins stretching oh. somehow. Like, it feels like a really mild electrical shock every time I do like this like extend my fingers very strange feeling it, it's uh it's my beef <laughs> this is the thing it's really getting my goat these days wow limited use have you been back to the doctor no because you're no. refusing to you're refusing to uh kowtow to big doctor who you go in for just a physical and mm -hmm. they make sure you're coming back in a couple <laughs> weeks he just he just slips a note to nurse jackie and says Jackie, I need you to make sure this guy's got some permanent nerve damage in his right arm, so I see him next month. This is the per permanent nerve damage is scary, isn't it? Yeah. This, well, this is the planned obsolescence we were just talking about with it's Honda. It's the same exact thing. Yeah. They're, yeah. they're designing me to break down so that I have to spend more money to go back. Yep. That's for sure what's happening here. <sighs> There's no doubt. We've cracked the code. Hey, everybody. I, what we think we've learned. <laughs> Don't go to the doctor. We're going to very quickly become the podcast of conspiracy theories at this rate. <laughs> Oh, so it's still there. You haven't. You don't have resolution. No, I mean, I'll, I'll is it, it's getting it's, a little better. I think it might be getting a little okay, better. I mean, good. it's it's not getting worse. Otherwise, I'd be going back more quickly. But it's just like, does it limit you from any like music stuff? No, that's okay. I okay. think that's okay. Yeah, it's just it's just it'll just the right the right like uh, you know turning or reaching will just set it off in a weird way. So man, I'm just trying to live my life. <laughs> I'm so sorry. That that really does. That's like that's uh that actually almost doesn't qualify as a beef because I feel like a beef is something that can kind of be a little bit dismissed. Like okay, oh Matt, like you, like you have other people can tell you what's happening on the airport yeah. speakers. This like is I can genuine... fix this like by with a conversation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and we say no one's allowed to fix it, but yeah. but this is like kind of like it just really sucks. It thank you. It does. Yeah. So. so if you're listeners out there, if you are in the medical profession, if you've heard of this or we know... Not, we did not want to hear from what you. might be going on. <laughs> Leave me not, alone! We did not trust you. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. We love doctors. Please tell me Such that I will feel better soon. Yeah. Well, today we wanted to have a conversation. You know, one of the things is when you have just Aaron and I in the room, what are we going to talk about? And so we thought, what better, what might people be more interested in than the mundane activities of our week to week? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. We want to talk about worship planning and thinking through, well, uh, that might be even to a little cl more clinical of a term than the conversation we want to have today, but how do you, so both Aaron and I are both involved with planning worship services, how do you think through that? So a little bit of process, but then we also want to have a conversation about how, how might thinking through some of the intentionality of what goes into a service help us engage and worship more fully? So it's not just sort of an inside baseball conversation for worship leaders, although we hope there's maybe some help uh, or something good that comes out of it there. But what does it look like um, for anyone attending a worship service to think about the sort of layers of 
planning and thought that have gone into it. So uh, I think that might be the interesting piece for, uh, you know, kind of the worshiper, the person sort of in the pews right. on Sunday um, to know, like, to know what's to know what's going on and how we we got to that point. Right. So, yeah. yeah. As opposed to, you know, our, th- yeah, our thought processes will be part of that. But I think um, intentional worship is uh, is worth thinking about even as a as someone who's not involved in planning or or creating worship right yeah yeah yeah. do you think uh this is just a question this is a a genuine curiosity and you've probably talked to more worship leaders over time do you think there are there are worship leaders who do very little planning very little thinking through what's happening on sunday morning oh i don't know that's a good question i know there are worship leaders who have who embrace more or leave more room for spontaneity, yeah. you know, within a service. So mm-hmm. there could be, uh, there are leaders who, you know, we'll do, we'll sing this part again, or they might sure. add a prayer sort of because they felt called in the moment to lead a prayer um, yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in that moment. So uh, I definitely know that happens at uh, lots of churches. And I think that's probably not, I, I wouldn't say we, do worship at Granite <laughs> Springs like that? No, I would say we're the opposite. Why are we so structured? So I might have some thoughts on this, but I'd be curious kind of what your thoughts, because this predates me. Like there's not a lot of, there's not a lot of ad lib happening in our Sunday service. Right, right. Like you're not doing a bunch of in-between like, hey, you'll love this song. Like, here we go, <laughs> sing with me, or, you know, talking about the time that you were inspired to write the song, or you're not, you're not doing any of that. Yeah. Um, why is that? Um, one reason that comes to mind is I think it's more hospitable, and it's something I think we value as a church is hospitality, but I think it's more hospitable to not only um, the other participants in the service, whether that's musicians or um someone leading a litany or a prayer um, if we have no what to expect, basically. So people like this kind of, it reduces sort of the amount of fumbling and on the fly and on the toes everybody has to be. And I think it creates a more hospitable space for worship uh, that everyone can participate in would be kind of my main, one of my main reasons, I think. And I think that spills over into the congregation too. So if the congregation kind of knows their part and their ex- and our expectations of them and their expectations of us, it leaves room for maybe more thoughtful worship as opposed to being at the, not, not to say this negatively, but being at the whim of whoever made a change, made a decision to make a change in that moment. So that would be one of my thoughts. That's super interesting. So like as a leader, like you're not only trying to be, because we do talk about hospitality a lot in worship and as one of the key aspects of leading worship, you're not only being hospitable to say a new person or the people, the congregation, but you're really trying to be hospitable to kind of the people who are leading. Yes. You're sort of meta meta hospitable. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Which makes sense. Yeah. You want, you want your volunteers and your participators to also feel like they know what's happening. I don't know. Maybe it's just like I can be pretty spontaneous musically if I'm playing with the right people and you can kind of communicate stuff sometimes non-verbally if you have that 
sort of level of uh, yeah. intimacy. But with uh, with other people, it like it would just I I like to know what's going on, and I would uh, be sort of freaked out if I it was a kind of a, a question mark hanging over. Things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe we can back up then from Sunday morning. So yeah. it's like pretty planned, but then so obviously there's planning then going into behind the scenes. So one of the things that I'm always curious about. Uh, cause I, you know, for whatever reason, no one's asked me to pick a bunch of songs. No one's asked me yet. You haven't asked me yet to oh. be up there singing musically. Oh man. I'm, I'm happy, sorry. I'm happy to, you know, do some, do some auditions right now. I have a microphone <laughs> in front of me, but, but you're choosing kind of our songs each yeah. week. Um, and that's just a fascinating, like there's no, well, I don't know. Maybe this is an interesting question. Um, is there a perfect song for kind of every week, like when you think about like a service, when when you're thinking about it, is there like a perfect song that you're like, this is this is what it is, or how does that play out? Mm. It doesn't seem like there would be, but I could be wrong. Like one song that we would use every week? No, no, no. I mean, like, like when you this is the song for this week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like you see, like oh, this is what the sermon's on. Like oh, boom, I know exactly what song. Right. Like, does that happen? Um. Yeah, it happens often, actually. Oh. And I would say one of the main triggers of this is is our call to worship. So every every morning we have, you know, um, God kind of calls us to worship. So we use often a psalm, a verse or two or three or four from the psalms. And so that's often an inspiration because we sing a lot of psalms also. So yeah. often a song will come to mind based on that call to worship. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, and... Uh, uh, I often will use opportunities um, like for offering songs, which we would do a lot of uh, quote unquote like secular music in that space. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, in an offering right. song space, right? Uh -huh. So that could, and that often as I can't closely believe. as I can, I tie that to what's happening for the rest of the morning. As I can't well. believe you just used the word secular. I know. There's no such wow. thing. Wow. That goes against everything you've told me before. <laughs> but yeah, okay. I Someday can we'll that. get to the meat of uh, Reformed, my thoughts on Reformed theology yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and music. When um, you, so when you, uh, is there, this is me really just being curious, is there a main song for you in like a worship set? Are you like everything kind of built, like, and not necessarily builds, but is there a song where you're like, this is the heart of our musical worship this sunday no no i don't think so i think okay. every song fits the fits the purpose um fits a purpose whether it's the theme sort of of the morning or the context of, that it's in in yeah. that kind of space in the service uh -huh. one th one thing i try to do is so uh, again go, going a little bit inside but matt constructs a, a draft of the morning based on uh based on the scripture and the message and then there will be uh, prayer included and um, uh, various litanies or, or liturgies that are appropriate for the morning. And then sort of that that's sort of a roadmap for what music uh, goes, where, what it is and where it goes mm -hmm. kind of. So, um, so yeah, so based on that information, I forgot what I was going to say. I was so, I was thinking so hard about you putting that service together. <laughs> Uh, oh, I, this is what I was going to say. Okay. So then based on that, I will have, to, I'll try to picture, it's hard, this is kind of a challenge to do, and I think it comes from experience, um, but you, if you can picture what a moment will be like, and this is really intangible, 
um, thing to describe. But the way, like the way a prayer ends, the way a song lands in a certain spot, and like when you hit the last chord, like what what makes sense to come next? And it can be a lot of sort of nuts and bolts things that go into it in terms of. you know what musicians are playing. What key is this in? Are the, do these are these songs in the same key? And then you, or could they be? And then you can move them sort of seamlessly into each other. Is it kind of a stopping and a starting? Do you let that moment breathe before kind of continuing the next thing? So you you just have to. I have to try to imagine. Okay, when this happens, uh, what's next? Like what makes sense to be next? Yeah, yeah. Like how much time is it taking? Yeah, yeah. And all those kind of things. So that so yeah. that's that's the kind of thought that goes into sort of fleshing out the drafts that you. I mean, your drafts are already uh, almost always fairly complete. But so that's super interesting to me because it's like the moments, the moments in between become important to how you're thinking about what comes next. Right. And going back to what we were talking about earlier, where a lot of people's instincts maybe is to fill those moments in between verbally. Right. Yeah. Yep. So like instead of instead of necessarily allowing the moment to be the moment, you bridge it verbally to get yourself to the next space. You say, well, actually, in my in the way I think about these songs, rather than saying like, oh, these are my two favorites. So we're going to do those back to back. You're thinking, well, yeah. how is this song and what space does that put us in? And then what song can naturally flow out of that? That's just a really, I think, different dynamic. I haven't heard you kind of express it that way. But what's. Um, so to kind of talk about worship, what's like, what are those moments in your mind, like in terms of the, like the worship purpose of those moments? Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, what are you maybe hoping is happening for the congregation? You're, cause you're not dictating to them yeah. what they're thinking about. Yeah. Let me answer a slightly different question yeah, that come sure. that connects to something we were talking about earlier, which is uh, extra words or or sort of Im, like verbal improvisation doesn't necessarily happen at Granite Springs because I think I think what we strive for in worship is to have every word matter, um, so that there's not extra. I mean, we. Our, the rest of our lives are filled with all kinds of extraneous sound and language and words mm. and music for that matter. So if, we, if we're if we very intentional about everything that we place into a worship service, I think people will, I, I don't know, it just feels like that space is more valuable than maybe, if that makes sense. So the words are more valuable, but the silence is more valuable as well the image that comes to mind, right, is like there's a there's a certain level so thinking about beauty and like cathedrals and the significance of cathedrals, right, is like at your space, your the place you've constructed for worship is supposed to point you to God and help you worship and in fact in medieval times help you learn the stories of scripture and sure, all this. Sure, yeah, yeah. It seems like maybe there's an analogy to what you're saying where with language Right. I mean, our building is actually pretty beautiful in itself. Something I'm grateful for about this place. But also, there's something in the construction. It's like you're not just tacking on, like, we're going to slap a window in here and, <laughs> you know, like, let's add another exit door here. Yeah. It's actually, we want to be intentional so that the, the construction, uh, both the, the spaces that we are 
verbally constructing and the spaces we are leaving unconstructed yeah in some sense have intentionality and are trying to point us in directions do you yeah. think that works as an analogy yeah absolutely and and i think that word in, intentionality is sort of at the heart of how we do worship or how we should strive to do worship yeah i mean it's easy to add extra it's just so easy to add stuff where it's not necessary right yeah yeah, yeah. So you have this process, and a lot of what you're saying, I think, resonates really well, too, with what I do. So to not just talk about music, but yeah, to talk please. about prayers and litanies and all those kinds of things, there's a certain kind of structure. I'm, I'm, I kind of entrust kind of those transitions and moments to you a lot because you're helping lead us through a lot more of them, and I kind of just get to plop something in the middle and say, build around <laughs> it, which is a nice thing for me. <laughs> But, you know, it's kind of interesting when I think, particularly when I think about prayer, we think about, okay, what needs to be included in a worship service? Like, well, we need to do some confession. Like, we need to experience grace. Like, Mm -hmm. we need to be transformed in some ways. And so often, like, when I sit down to write a prayer, it's not... not kind of stream of consciousness. It's, oh, I know know I've got elements. I know I've got some structure. and obviously, you're kind of thinking in some of the similar structured ways. Like we, I think there's some analogy to how we approach. But my question then is, uh, and one of the things I wrestle with sometimes, because I can then just turn, you can turn out words or you can easily slot things into structure. What What is the, the spirit's role in that mm. planning practice? And I'd right. be curious kind of what your experience is of that. How do you think about that? Uh, is it like five hours of prayer before you ever write down a song? I mean... At some point, like it's not feasible, right? <laughs> Just because we're going week to week here. Yeah. But what's your? Because I, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to process what that looks like exactly. Well, what, what do you have? What have you thought about so far in terms of that? Yeah, I mean, I think. So you're talking about sort of spirit-led worship planning. Like yeah, how, yeah, right. How do you leave room for? Because there's a, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of sort of wisdom and ancient tools that we rely on in order mm-hmm. to create our worship so where how is there room for the holy spirit in that right so situation? i'm not sitting there and thinking like lord bring me to the right text like the texts that i'm engaging with are sermon texts on lectionary texts so you know some people might say well okay already you've cut out like the spirit's leading <laughs> right like <laughs> yeah, how dare you because right? you're you I, I mean some people would genuinely say this right you plan too much at that point uh like you need to allow god to speak like not eight months ago, but like into uh, the ways that your services are formed now. I don't know that anyone would go that extreme, right. but, uh, but so yeah. And right, because things kind of get passed off, like I'm not picking the sermon text, those are assigned and then I'm interacting with those. I mean, one way I think is, um, I mean, there is the broader picture. There's the, just the broader theological picture of these are rhythms that I think are spirit led just in the beginning, right? Mm-hmm. So in some sense, if I am like doing confession, like grace, gratitude, like transformation, like you kind of can't can't go wrong almost. Yeah. Um, but then I think it's often, one of the things I try to do, this is maybe the more concrete, a more concrete example, is particularly when I'm listing things, I try to, I try, I do try to be sensitive to what are the things that are gonna be listed in this prayer. So uh, for uh, like to give an example, like if I'm talking about like ways that we are broken, what are the ways that we're naming that we are broken? There's like 
hundreds, thousands of ways that we could name that sure. were broken on any Sunday morning. Yeah. Uh, but okay, am I going to talk about broken relationships? Am I going to take talk about um, uh, I don't know the ways that we are broken with respect to like our pride and using work as our identity? Are we get and those because those things right like confession like those can come into play any week in confession. But I do think that's an area where I try to be sensitive to, like, I could just brainstorm a list of 20 different things, yeah. but what actually needs to be in here? Right. And some weeks I feel like that lands, and, like, in some weeks it's like, well, hmm. that feels a little bit more pat maybe than normal. Right. I mean. Uh, so I wonder if the Spirit is working on Sunday, like, <laughs> You, you sort of you have the you have the wisdom and the experience to 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 sort of cr- make like create this part like the segment of the worship service mm-hmm. and then sort of it's out of your hands at that point as long as it's executed as well as you can do it right yeah and then uh maybe we're not we're not necessarily feeling the spirit leading us in those moments but he could be working he is working in everyone who's worshiping there. So yeah. um, it's, it's just kind of funny because you'll have, you'll, ha- you'll have the exact same service and then two different total, totally different reactions to right. it. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially with music, people like to react to. And sometimes like there's a part of me that wonders like, you know, you write a line and maybe it's, uh, or you pick a song and you don't, you don't know. I mean, I never know exactly why I've written a line, right? There's a lot of miss. There is actually like, when it comes down to the actual work of this kind of thing, there's a, quite a bit of mystery, yeah. like why something comes to mind and another thing that could equally work doesn't, <laughs> yeah. right? Like yeah. there's so many options, so many possibilities. Um, but it's like, so, part of me wonders like, who is this? Who is this? Is, this? is there someone that this is actually like particularly for? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I do. Like, is there like this, so- like, is this song for a particular person? Right. Um, and that that's like kind of like awe-inspiring, right? Maybe to right. be involved at that level, but right. I, I do. I just wonder. Um, while you're still trying to lead people in corporate worship, I sometimes, especially especially when we're naming more concrete things, sometimes I think like, okay, if I'm naming like broken relationships with fathers, like, is that for like one person? I don't think that clinically, like when I'm writing it, like, not necessarily thinking of. People, although I try, I try to think kind of okay, what are our demographics? What are people dealing with, etc. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. So that's a little bit. I'd, I'd be curious, like music selection, how you think of God's involvement in that process, right? Well, there's certain we've talked about not maybe not on microphone, but we've talked about sort of some things we look for when we choose when we choose to bring new music into our repertoire and mm, or mm-hmm. uh, for that matter decide to retire other certain things um but if, i think if we are thoughtful and and meet those meet our own sort of requirements as best we can again it's sort of up to the up to the holy spirit from there <laughs> like yeah. we'll just like do this do this our best uh, but yeah it's the same kind of same kind of thing where the reaction from people might be just like total opposite ends of the spectrum after the service is done you know i've had um this was years ago but i did an offering song like for mother's day uh that i thought was really uh really beautiful and it is a beautiful song i won't go into details yet but then (laughs) you know someone had um 
had right after the song just left the room in tears because of certain memories mm. that this song evoked for for them. So you, I, I think we can't underestimate the power of these elements of a worship service, whether it's a prayer or a song. Yeah, I mean these these things connect words connect with people, which is again ties comes all back to why we should take them seriously and yeah. think carefully about them. Okay, so that that's a nice launching point, I think, for us to continue the conversation, maybe in a slightly different vein, because we obviously both do this each week. Yep. We believe in what we do. So yes. we believe in intentionality. We believe in words. We believe in song selection yep. and all these things. Yep. But we've also been probably to enough services, not that we've planned, that we know how easy and how often it happens that you just like basically sit there and the whole thing just like just washes over you <laughs> and then you're leaving because you're hungry for lunch right like that's the, that's the reality like to just name the truth like as transformative as we believe these things can be it's and we've talked a little bit about kind of slow worship before and that's really important here but like a lot of sundays like for a lot of people i imagine like the engagement is like oh this is a song i like and uh i am i i mean as people who are involved in leadings, I find like often I'm thinking about, I, I can even be participating in a prayer I wrote and I'm thinking about when I have to be up doing something else. Right. right? So right, even right. just as someone like who's supposed to be most invested, <laughs> perhaps right. like I can find it easy uh, to kind of check out. Uh, so, so one of my questions is just how, for, for people, how is this conversation helpful maybe? Like what's, what do you see how does it how does thinking through this perhaps help people engage or what might you suggest like ways of deeper engagement yeah or even uh an, an even broader question maybe is what to even look for in a worship service yeah that's a great question that's that's probably a better wording of my <laughs> convoluted question yeah, think, what to look for okay. i think engagement follows when you yeah but not <laughs> Not to make a worship service like a, a treasure hunt or anything. Yeah, or, or like, a homework assignment. Or a or checklist yeah. or whatever. But um, what do you... So when you have a blank a blank Word document yeah. to, to start a service, what do you, what do you think people should, should experience over the course of... And you've alluded to some of this already, but over the course of the service. Yeah. Well, I think you're right. There's like there's maybe kind of two pieces to this that the way I think like there's kind of rhythms practices and then there's kind of thematic engagement and those like overlap, right? Like I think we engage in the rhythms and practices of confession and receiving grace and, um, or receiving hearing grace, uh, sort of missional kind of language. We engage in those kinds of practices and rhythms often through a theme. Um, but I think, you know, sometimes what's interesting is like the theme doesn't carry all the way through, right? Which yeah. is like for all of our intentionality, yeah. like a theme is kind of in one part of the service and really not picked up again elsewhere. Um, now, I'd say that happens probably less frequently yeah. than there is consistent theme. So I don't know if the answer is for people to try to like it does feel a little bit like kind of I spy or something <laughs> to say like, see if you can work out what the theme is. And like, if you have like, you know, like I don't think the key to like, 
well, I don't know. I'd be curious what you think, but it doesn't seem like the response to this hearing this kind of conversation is to like try to find like the hidden key that unlocks the service, mm-hmm. right? That feels like you're gonna like we're all gonna end up just too much in our heads, right? Right, and in fact, right. like I probably like when participating in a Sunday morning, you and I probably need to leave behind some of the intentionality, right? Yeah, to be able to engage, yeah, fully in worship, which is kind of a weird thing for me to grapple with but i so i i don't know like these things all exist this is kind of interesting and i hadn't thought about this before this conversation i don't think but these things like these intent these levels of intentionality all exist in the planning and part of me wants everyone to like appreciate it but i think part of that's more like i want people to appreciate my work (laughs) more than like if you understand this like your worship's experience will like just be transformed i don't know that that's true do you think I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. W- worship can be so mysterious. Yeah. I think it's part of it is coming together as a community. Mm-hmm. And I think specifically of like saying a creed together, for example, yeah. or even singing a song together where this is something we all believe and we are sort of expressing the fact that we are one body in this yeah, yeah. situation. And, and, and we are just one piece of an even larger body that's a global body that's so there's stuff happening all over the world right now it's not sunday everywhere right now but yeah yeah yeah. (laughs) you know at some point uh during during the week people did this all over the world and we are part of that and 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 all through time as well yeah i I like that's a really good so so god's worthy there's there's some there's some way in which it worship helps kind of constitute us as a community it unites us yeah. it brings us together yeah um and then we think there's something really transformative about worship right like it's trying to like kevin will sometimes talk about like what are we trying to do to you as a church which <laughs> yeah. is like kind of deliberately provocative language but right. like worship like probably should be doing something yeah to us like we're being transformed in some way not necessarily by i mean by, by God through yeah. worship, right? To be clear, it's right. not like, uh, you know, an amazing song is is changing you and changing your life, but God through that is changing your life. We touched on this really early on where it was like, what's one of the weird things about church is uh-huh. that it's, where else do you just go gather with a bunch, a bunch of people and sing a song together? Like right. kind of how strange that uh-huh. is. Uh, and I think that's actually one of the things that's so beautiful about church because hmm. there, when when we really think about when do we when do we as people gather in a space and kind of do the same thing together and we're all like minded or at least uh, you know we could be at church for a million different reasons right but at, we at least have something in in common and that is that we're curious right yeah. or we. There, we want to learn more and we want to know God better. Yeah. And we can do that through worship. Um, yeah. And so we think church is, yeah, <laughs> during a worship service, we're singing together, we're saying words together. And outside of maybe, you know, a musical concert or a sporting event, that's the kind of thing, there's something really sort of intangible and mysterious. I mean, we're using this kind of theme a lot. Mm-hmm. But um, it's really mysterious about what happens when a group of people all get together for one for one cause and do all the same thing all at the same time. Yeah, yeah. So, 
to get like maybe really practical here at maybe the end of our conversation, what's what's one thing, okay? And there's there's many things, but what's one thing you would if someone came to you and said, "How could I more deeply engage in worship?" What's one thing you would tell them? Do you have something in mind? I mean, I I maybe have an answer because I would love to hear what you yeah. might be thinking. One thing I was thinking, and this kind of goes back, maybe ties back into the worship planning conversation and, you know, do you become super, like in light of this conversation, are you hyper aware that there's a theme? Are you sort of just letting the whole thing wash over you? I wonder if there's not, if there's not kind of a a meditative practice that you can engage with in worship. Um, So sort of, I don't know if we've talked about like Lectio Divina on this podcast before, but this sort of scripture reading practice where you read a passage of scripture and then you allow sort of a word or phrase to sort of come to the surface and then you reflect on why that word or phrase has sort of come to the surface. I wonder if someone came to me and said, you know, how can I engage more deeply in worship? I wouldn't say necessarily like, oh, well, like pay attention for like the unifying things and like think about what Aaron wants you to do and the moments in between songs, right? Like <laughs> that just becomes so cerebral. But to say like, you know, as you're, exp- as you're engaging with worship, like just pay attention to like what, what's a line, what's a word, what's a theme that just stands out to you? Maybe in like the first couple of songs and then meditate through the other, like how you see that or why God is bringing that up for you. You know, we don't we don't talk a lot about how you actually like engage your heart. Like we talk about engagement with like uh like just participation. Like mm-hmm. you should sing in worship and right. you should uh pray along with the prayer, but like sometimes I think like well, speaking for myself, like I can do all those things and not engage deeply. Sure. I wonder if there is sort of a reflective sort of meditation on these things. Maybe that's something I would say to someone. Hmm. Uh I have found that sometimes changing physical posture oh can help me engage with something so there Mm. and this might not always work in the context of a worship service but there are uh you know kneeling for a prayer you know is this kind of an old uh, very old practice that was sort of uh that we poo poo in more modern reformed traditions (laughs) but there's you want to bring like, the kneelers actually, back out? I think we should bring the, the kneelers. The, the vinyl. Views, yeah. And what, what I love is that they'll be like covered with, they'll be padded and stuff. Uh-huh. The idea is that you're comfortable as <laughs> long comfortable as you're, you're kneeling. kneeling. That's the whole point well, of kneeling, kneeling. Kneeling can be very hard. Yeah, well, that's the, the whole knees. point. Well, yeah. But I mean, at some point, like if you want me to kneel for a long time. like <laughs> Okay, here's a different example. Um, so we often end the service with a blessing and we've sort of taken to... Uh, sort of opening our hands as a gesture of sort of receiving the blessing. So as, and I've seen this kind of, there's been no sort of instruction about it, but I've seen it sort of catching on as people see others do it and, and, Mm -hmm. and musicians may do it, but just a simple open hand as I'm receiving that blessing is uh, so powerful. Like that's, I feel like that's, and sort of at the end of the service, uh, I mean, that's that's a very deep level of engagement for me. Yeah. So I'm, a physical posture might be one thought. I love that thought. Yeah. That's a really good one. Because yeah. those aren't movements that you make the rest of the week. You're not just walking around with your arms <laughs> kind of open, just embracing, <laughs> embracing the world, the cosmos. You know. Hey, guys, the football game is on. Let me just really receive this. <laughs> No, yeah, exactly. That's just like one time, uh, one time a week that I do that. So yeah, that's just an idea. 
yeah, I mean, there are there are words that we say and words that we sing that we also don't use the rest of the mm-hmm. week, really. Yeah. So if, I think if we're paying attention to those, um, I think that can help us engage. Yeah. Well, I think we, I mean, it's been, it's interesting, right? So like all the planning, all of the intentionality, right, serves the mystery of engagement with worship, with God, which is like for all of like how, I mean, we could have gotten way more kind of technical process than we even did in this conversation. But like the goal is always that. And then at the end, like, it's kind of like, how do you engage more deeply? Like there's mis- there's mystery there. Like there's, like, I think there are strategies, but that is like, I mean, there's some question to me, like, why, why does God love worship so much? Like, why is this, <laughs> yeah. why is this a particular means yeah. of grace? Like, why isn't it that we experience God like, and I mean, maybe for some people, but like you say, football game, like, why don't, why isn't it a football game that he's chosen to kind of like make us experience him through? You know, I mean, maybe there's reasons for that, but you can go back and listen to our episode with Brad Swope. Yes. But, yeah. But you know, like, it's really interesting that this is the thing, like for all the things that you're saying, the coming together, like this is the thing. I mean, I, in some sense, how do we engage with worship is maybe a lifelong question, right? Mm-hmm. Like, how do we engage deeply? And maybe that changes in seasons too. But Yeah. And we've talked about slow worship in the past too. So I think another thing to remember is we're not going to be able, we're just not f- really capable as humans of engaging 100% with yeah. for an entire service. That's like our mind is going to wander. Yeah, there are really going to be things that we don't understand. Yeah. And, but if we're catching, I mean, I think about, like, I was a church, my, I was a very diligent church-going kid because I had diligent church-going parents. Uh-huh. I still do. Uh, <laughs> in fact, hi, mom and dad. <laughs> um, so I, I, I just, what happens is when you go to church every week and you're in, and you're eight or nine, there wasn't even like a separate kids thing. So I'm just like in there yeah. the whole time. Right. And you... There's a lot that I'm not going to get. There's uh, my mind's going to wander a lot, uh-huh. and uh, maybe most of the time. Maybe even most of the time. Yeah. But the idea is that I'm there, uh, and I'm picking something up. Like yeah. I'm being formed, ever so inefficiently. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it really takes years. Mm-hmm. And so I think my encouragement for worshipers is to just be just be as present as you can be and uh and and not let uh and not feel like you need to be um sort of over engaged with every step of the way but realize that you're being formed anyway well aaron for all the mystery of people engaging with worship i want you to know I appreciate you and the work you put in. <laughs> oh. Thanks, Matt. I think you are an eternal mystery as well. Wow. What de- the depths, the depths, if only people knew, if only people knew. No, well, I hope this was interesting. Hey, everybody, it's just the two of us. And, uh, I thought I was, I thought, it was, I thought it was, I thought it was interesting. We, we enjoyed our Fun own conversation. <laughs> we enjoyed our own conversation. We're and happy to have you along for the ride. And that's, that's all we ask. Uh, it might not be all you ask, but it's all we ask that we enjoy our conversations. And I have to say, I'm looking at a uh, large, like easel-sized piece of paper taped to the wall. Yep. 
that is chock full of ideas for the future of Curious Church. So many ideas. Yeah, and it's looking pretty fun. Yeah, there's, I think there'll be some fun things to come, some good conversations in the future. We've got C.S. Lewis as a possible future guest. Do we really? No, we don't. <laughs> it's like, put C.S. Lewis on the, on the piece of paper. That makes no sense. <laughs> okay, other guests. Uh, yeah. Like, like more currently walking the earth kind of guests. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a new season, but I think it'll be, there's some fun things to come. Yeah, I'm excited. Interesting conversations. So thanks, listeners. Um, and on behalf of Matt, no, you can say yourself. It's not usually what we do. No. Okay, let me try again. Okay. Yep. So thanks, everyone, for listening. I'm Matt. I'm Aaron. Thanks for being curious with us. <laughs>